You know why Jesus came into the world? He loves us to save us. He came to say, I want your joy to be full. Joy was why he came. I wasn't going to start with this, but just as we were singing that last song, there was a, I just got this nudge of saying, tell them I actually came to bring them joy. They don't seem that impressed. <laughs> okay, he came to kill you. Make your life miserable. You see, everything Jesus came to release on earth, Satan comes to distort. And, the reason, and you don't talk about Satan in respectable society because nobody believes in Satan. You just believe in the power of humanity and the power of thinking and the power of human culture. But the whole world, the essence of life is spirit and the realities of life are rooted in the spirit, rooted in good and rooted in evil. And so God came in Jesus to, to release joy into people's lives and hearts. And the root of joy and the place where joy comes and what joy does is you experience joy where do you experience joy? I'll tell you, in Egypt, which is where you have to slave for this stuff, you experience joy when you can get away from the rat race. You experience joy when you can go on a cruise and you can lie in the sun and say, thank goodness I don't have anything to worry about. And God's word is, why don't you actually experience that same feeling in relation to me every day? You don't have to even go on a cruise. I have come that you might know joy and might know joy in the midst of life, whatever it throws to you. Because in your spirit is where joy actually is found, not in your circumstances. And most of us, God's greatest struggle is that we would actually learn that. I talked about uh, last week that God says, you know, I, I, I'm going to work through you, not for you. Thinking about the whole mentality of our culture as well, which is, I'm waiting for God to do everything. So we keep praying to Him. Oh God, we pray for healing. We pray that You will do this. We pray that You do that. And then we sort of sit around and wait. And nothing happens. Because God is not a dumb waiter, and He's not actually about doing what we ask. He's saying, I'm into relationship. I want to talk to you. That's actually what Carol was talking about on Thursday night. What we were doing on Thursday night, we, we, we were praying over people who were sick. And I said, stand up and pray over these people. Declare God's kingdom over them. And those who've got flags, walk around. Because in the spirit realm, those flags are like banners. They're defiant. They say, Jesus is Lord. Makes no sense in this realm. Makes no sense at all. It's just people waving flags. But in the spirit realm, it's a declaration of war. It's a declaration of victory. And so when you're even praying over people, you don't just pray, oh God, I pray that you heal Brian and help him. You say, what, what's going on in you, Brian? What's God saying? You listen to the heart. You engage. And for many of us, that is a foreign concept. We just want to say, oh, just please pray for me and don't talk to me. So guess what? We don't receive all that he has. Because we value our pride and our privacy and our shyness so much that we lose out on all that God is actually wanting to release. Because we're caught as prisoners in bondage to ourselves. Check this one out and see what you think. This is the first video, please. I think that sums up 
A lot, don't you? Fake it until you make it. Many of us are caught in prisoners to our own definitions of what it means to be Christian. Thank God it's over. Now I can live in the real world. And God's saying, it's never over, and the real world is only when I am. And your problem is you're too religious for me. I can't stand it. And what I want to talk about this morning is, is allowing God to actually be our friend so that we, we, we begin to experience his presence every day. So when you gather together on a Sunday, you're just sharing uh, his life and his love and, and you're coming together to, to worship him. And worship takes a whole new form. God is not religious. He's relational. And so when we talk about being proactive and not passive, maybe another way of saying it is saying be responsive, not unresponsive. Like those people, they have their definitions. And if God came and spoke to them about doing something else, it was too much of a paradigm shift, so they rejected him. They rejected Jesus when he walked through the streets because he didn't look like God. And we reject Jesus because he doesn't look like what we think he should be so often. He's much nicer than our perceptions. But the only way we discover that is we actually allow him to relate to us, and he relates to us in an extraordinarily ordinary way. Everybody in this room hears God. You all hear his voice. You think it's yourself. And his voice speaks to you words of love and favor, and you don't listen to them because you can't believe it's true. So the words you listen to are the negative ones. And the ones you give authority to are the negative shame-based voices, which actually comes from the enemy. And so you believe the lie of the negative far more quickly than you believe the truth of what Jesus says. Because our home is in this broken world, and this broken world is very familiar to us. So we tend to go back to the garbage dump because we're familiar with it. And the heart of God breaks over his people because the heart of God says, you don't have to. It's like those boys in Umbarara going back to the streets. It's like drag addicts leaving uh, and going back to their addiction. Because it's familiar. And there's a, uh, there's a strange twist in human beings where we need help to actually go into the places that are positive because we're so used to, we know how to survive. And so the good news that God gives us is often bad news because it shakes us. Jesus is very, very relational. And so he says, you know, Paul writes, we read it at the prayer time on, on Wednesday. Paul writes a letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And he says to Timothy, your grandmother and your, your mother were Christian. I, I remind you to fan into flame what was deposited in you when I laid hands on you. And what we thought about then was just because your parents and your grandparents were Christian or just because you grew up in a Christian home or you didn't, it doesn't, really, doesn't mean much unless you take hold of it and you fan it into flame yourself. So we all have responsibility for how we respond. And you see, the good news is that religion always tells you what you have to do to sort of initiate what God might do. Whereas relationship starts with Jesus initiating with you. God is speaking to you right now. He's saying something to you. You say, well, I don't hear him. Okay, tell him you want to hear him. 
Listen in your heart and you will hear him. But it won't sound like God. It'll sound like your emotions or it'll sound like your feelings. Or it'll sound like your thoughts. But God will speak to you. And the only way you begin to know his voice is when you begin to start responding to what you sense inside yourself. Does that make sense to you? Not really? I want to highlight a few things about walking with... Because what is it like to follow Jesus today um, and let him work through you? The first, the first big picture item I want to just highlight is, is it looks at our worldview, which is what those guys were about as well. What is your worldview? I say the same sermon every week, you know. I speak the same thing every week. Do you notice that? Pretty much the same thing is wrapped up in different ways. Because the, really, the only thing to say is Jesus loves you, God is a father, he's got your back and he, he wants to work in your life. I mean, that's pretty much it. And then he'll blow your mind with what he can do through you. And he'll heal the sick and you'll see the blind, blind see. And we, we haven't seen that yet, but we're going to. And, and the things that Jesus did in history 2,000 years ago, he wants to do today. And he will do it today. And he is doing it today around the world in different places. But we happen to live in one of the most cynical religious places in the world. The west coast of North America is the most hostile to God probably on the planet. So it's a religious spirit that is very cynical and very, very intellectual and very much, I've got my act together. But we're also the most medicated. We're full of occult and witchcraft. It's one of the biggest witchcraft areas in the world as well, the west coast of North America. It's a huge spiritual reality around here. Just speak to people who work for the RCMP. And the illusion is that we're in control. The illusion is that I know what's going on. And it's... Very often not the case. We are often caught in dynamics that we are pretty naive about. So the worldview is one of two things. We went, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. The worldview is either I'm at the center and I'm basically saying, God, I want you to feed, I want you to do, I want you to do. Or the worldview is I'm part of God's creation and I'm saying, how would you work in me and through me? There are two postures. The one posture is that I'm at the center and God is here to just bless me. And the other posture is the world and, and the universe and everything is, belongs to God. And I am part of his creation and, he, and he, can, he wants to fulfill my life and work in me and through me. So my question becomes, how do I fit into this and what do you want to do in me? Those are the two big world views uh, which... We need to answer, Jesus at the center, my life is a gift, or my life is my entitled right, and God is just basically there to make my life comfortable. Your worldview is one, and then your personal experience is the next thing. The personal experience is your personal experience with God. When you don't know God, and you come to a place where God is real, that will rock your world in, in many good ways. But there's also, at the front end, a fear factor, isn't there? Of what happens if. God's revelation of his love in Jesus is very, very sweet. If you were face to face with Jesus right now, in absolute real time, there would be no one here who would not be, probably on their face, there would be no one here who would not be overwhelmed by his love. There would not be anyone here who would have a dry eye. 
There would not be anyone here who would feel condemned. You would be overwhelmed with the presence of his love and his affirmation over you. You would be like Isaiah who who came into a, a, a vision of God and he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. You would be so overwhelmed with your sense of unworthiness because of your, all the things that you felt you would find to be untrue. And everything about God that was love and affirmation, you would discover to be true. And you wouldn't have any parameters or paradigms to hold it in together. It'll break you. And you'd be frightened and, and uh, um, thrilled at the same time. God is not like you or me. The God who came in the person of Jesus is radically different. And everyone who came in Jesus' presence was changed. Or they got really hostile and left. And so the reading we read this morning was a personal encounter with Jesus. Jesus was walking along the shores of Galilee. And they're very gradual slopes on those shores. So it's easy to have people in crowds along those shores. And he came across Levi who was a tax collector. And he said to Levi, follow me. And we hear Levi, Levi must have heard about Jesus before. And there was something in him that Jesus just called out. And he said, Levi, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him and then had a banquet. And at his banquet, a whole lot of other tax collectors and Pharisees. And these people, again, every time Jesus did anything, you see it in church all the time too, by the way. Every time Jesus did anything remarkable, the religious people got mad. Because they were, con- they were worried about form and they were worried about procedure. And the last thing they were concerned about were people. And Jesus was not worried about form or procedure. He was always worried about people. And he came into Levi's home. And again, it's because of the way Jesus interacted with people. Levi was one who was an outcast. He, he basically ripped off all his neighbors and his friends. He was a tax collector. Money was his God. And Jesus came and treated him as a person. And Levi said, uh, you are welcome here. And his life was changed. He left everything to follow Jesus. There was something about Jesus that captivated people. And the question that you want to ask if you have a worldview that says, there are a lot of people who say, yes, I believe in God. I just don't. And then they fill in all the exclamation marks. I believe in God, but... And usually I ask, what is the God you believe in or who is the God you don't believe in? And where do you get your information? And most of the time, people are just pulling out of nowhere what they call facts or feelings that aren't even verifiable. It's easy to discount them. God came in Jesus and he revealed himself in Jesus. Only time in human history... God reveals himself in a person. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if my worldview is I believe in God, then my next step is to say, tell me about your experience of God with Jesus Christ. I don't have one. Or get one. How? Talk to Jesus. How? Ask somebody who has one and ask them to get, help you get one. I'm not being funny. You need a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. How do you get one? You say, Jesus, who are you? 
You go to somebody who, who says, I believe in Jesus, and say, how did you come to a personal encounter with Jesus? And you say, I want that. You say, well, it doesn't make sense. And they say, well, why don't you actually pursue this uh, relationship until it doesn't make sense? Why don't you start with humility and start saying, who is Jesus? When did he live? What did he do? How did he do it? Why did he do it? Start exploring the character of Jesus before you dismiss it. And then come to a place where you, you take a leap of faith and say, well, if it's true, I ask you to make yourself true to me. You see, without a personal encounter with Jesus, you end up as a religious person. Very self-righteous. You do all the right things, but it's absolutely boring. And it has no power. And the people around you aren't impacted at all. I mean, you might say, well, I go to church on Sunday and, and, and I'm a good Christian and I give some money. And, and you might impress people who are impressed by that. But the only thing I want to ask is, tell me about the God that you know. Because the God that I know pulsates in you. He's infectious. He's full of love and joy and life. He brings hope in darkness. He brings healing. He sets captives free from despair. He so fills you up that you actually have something to give someone. You have something to give to somebody who's struggling. He opens your eyes so that you see people who are struggling and you have something to offer them rather than you just walk in your own blindness. He changes you from the inside out until you start saying, I don't know, I'm not even perfect, but I know that something in me is different and his name is Jesus. And Levi was called by Jesus and he left the thing that was his God, which was money. He left that stall, his tax collector stall, and he followed Jesus. And when you and I begin to allow God to come close to us, he's going to say to you, follow me. And I promise you, like Levi, there is a point where he looks in our eyes and he says, follow me. He said it to his disciples. He said to them at one point, do you love me more than these things? And he pointed to their boats and nets. And maybe their friends. And there is a point where God the Father through Jesus will say to you and to me, as we respond to him, not doing it out of duty, he just says, do you love me more than these? But God doesn't want you to give up anything without a revelation of him. See, that's the way it works. If you give it up to please him, he doesn't want it. He just wants you to have a revelation of him so that the things that you thought were important begin to shrink and you go, you know, if it means following you or holding on to this, I'm happy to let go of this. That's what it means. He doesn't say, please try and impress me because I'm not impressed. He just says, if you see me and you see my heart and you see your meaning and your life in the midst of all of this, those things that you think are so life-giving to you will shrink. You'll become bored with them. They'll just not meet your needs. And you see, freedom is being able to do, able to live without many of the trappings or with them. doesn't matter. One of the hallmarks of Jesus in our lives is incredible generosity. So you can expect in a journey with God that takes you from here to heaven 
There will be times where Jesus says, follow me, and you're going to have to make a decision about what that box that Levi stood in and said, this is his tax collecting. What does that symbolize for you? What do you need to learn to leave? What do you need to let go of? What's getting in the way? Because following Jesus is an adventure into life, but it also shows us the things that we hold on to that were a poor excuse for life, but were what we could control. Does that make sense? It might be your job, it might be your relationships, it might be your family, it might be your looks, it might be your sport, it might be your television. It could be anything. It might be your project, your plans for your future, it might be your ego, it might be your career, it might be your degrees, it might be anything. It could be your drugs, it could be your dysfunctions, it could be your depression, it could be your sickness, it could be your wheelchair, it could be anything. Anything at all. And how God works is He begins to captivate our hearts. So the first thing He always says is, I am Lord of the universe and I love you with a passion. So what would it be like to listen to God the Father speaking to you right now and just telling you how much He loves you? I mean, loves you. I mean, real deeply. And you can't get away. He says you can run anywhere you like. My love is right here. And it's stronger than any love that you have ever experienced in your life. And you get awkward and you get claustrophobic and you want to run because you go, I don't know what to do with this. And he says, I know, but you can't run from me. I got you. And the fact that you want to run is just a sign of your need for healing. So I love you there anyway. Will you let me love you? Will you let me love your heart? Release love in your heart. I like you. Not necessarily everything you do, but I really like you. I made you. Go, this is getting too emotional and sentimental. Stick to the facts. That's as exciting as somebody describing a kiss as a chemical, you know, transaction. God says, I find you really boring and you're a little anally retentive and you're sort of somewhat dysfunctional. I want your emotion. I created emotion, I created imagination, I created creativity because that's what makes you come alive. I have come to bring you life and joy and peace and goodness and faithfulness and all the rest of it. You need a world view where God is big and he's able to hold this universe and you need a world view where God is personal and small and he looks you right in the eye and he says, I'm here for you. And that's the place where life will begin to move out into, into victory. But I have to have you know me as father and you as my child. That's what Levi encountered. What's your personal relationship with Jesus like? Does it need to be revamped? Does it need to be rekindled? Does it need to be fanned into flame? Or does it need to start for the first time? There are lots of people who go to church and never know Jesus. This place had 220 people here on Tuesday for Judy's funeral for her son, Michael. And probably 190 of them didn't know the God that I was talking about. And I was trying to say, he's here for us. You can feel it. You can feel it. You can feel unbelief. It's heavy. You can feel unbelief at funerals. It's, it's heavy. There's no hope. People look back at you with passivity and just go, when's this going to be over? Nudge each other. Why did we come to this? I'm not accusing. I'm just saying it's real sad. Because if I was God, I'd be saying, I'm here for you. 
dummies. I love you. And if we who say we believe would pulsate with passion, many of them would begin to catch it like flu. But it would be a good infection. Do you know the love of Jesus alive in you right now? It's no accusation, by the way. That's an invitation. Because wherever you are, you just say, Jesus, I just give you permission to give me more. I want to know your love more in my heart. See, everything is a response. Are you, is this miserable? Are you feeling a little miserable? Please smile or do something. <laughs> Encourage me a little bit because this is getting a little heavy here. Um, put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, help me smile. Um, you know, just, just the Lord likes you in your dysfunction. That's my only hope. He likes us where we are, and he says, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm inviting you to let me work in you so that you can become what you're not yet. My relationship with you is not performance-based. It's based on father-child. And I only reveal weakness in you in order to help you to grow into strength. I don't reveal anything in you, even unbelief, in order for you to feel guilty. I don't, ha I don't do guilt. I do conviction, and I do encouragement, and I do discernment so that you can't, you can't practice if you don't know what you need to practice at. I do humility, which Satan calls pride. In other words, when you deny things and you say it's not true when it is true, you're in denial and it doesn't help. So he says, I show you truth in order to set you free, not to beat you up. That's why my kingdom is so different. I am not of this world. So everything I ask from you, I initiate and then call forth a response. But everything I ask of you has to be in the context of you knowing that you are adored and loved. Not as a sentimental baby talk, but as a basis for our relationship, which I have initiated. So I am telling you, whether you like it or not, or whether you know what to do with it or not, that's my heart for you. You are unquestionably loved beyond anything you would imagine. But I want you to get that in your heart, not in your head. Because the theory and concept in your head will not hold you. And that is why worship is important. That is why things like soaking prayer are important. They are a waste of time, like sun tanning. They're a waste of time. You position yourself in a place where God's Spirit can melt and mold. I'm too busy, we say. You're not really. You're just afraid. There are a lot of people who are afraid. They're afraid of soaking prayer. They're afraid of praying for healing. They're afraid of, afraid of, any, they're afraid of worship. They're afraid of anything that causes an emotional response. I used to be afraid of it all. Absolutely seriously. I wouldn't have come here. It would be way too scary. I was afraid of worship. I was afraid of praying for healing. I was afraid of anything that showed emotions because I was so effectively shut down because I was surviving. I used to pride myself in the fact that I never cried. Big boys don't cry and also you're not going to control me. I'm not joking. It was deep in me. Until God, I mean, I was in my 30s when he began to heal that. I mean, the perfection you see before you now is not just with, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Now I've got to respond. 
If I beat myself up publicly, that brings joy out of you. That's sick. <laughs> you are the most dysfunctional group of people. Forget it. That's it. I'm shutting this thing down. We've got to get moving here. Um, look, you have two choices, brothers and sisters. You either really, really take hold of this reality. Because, you know, many of us are miserable because we refuse to change or respond or we want everything on our own terms. I asked Alan if he'd come up and talk about that, but uh, he's already looking at his wash, which he, wishing this was over. But he told me he was sort of taking God on on his own terms and it wasn't working. And I said, I tried that too. But he wouldn't come up and give a test to me. I said to him, come up and tell us about that. He said, no, 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 no. So I'm, don't worry, I'm not asking you to. I'm just... But he's speaking, you know, he speaks, he speaks for, you know, he speaks for all of us because we all have our own terms. And I'll tell you the tough thing. And that is God's love is such that he goes, you know, I will use anything that life throws to you to help you understand my love for you. But what really, really, really grieves me is that often the moment I get your attention is the moment when you're at the bottom of the barrel. When everything you do fails. And one of the greatest places for that is suffering and sickness, cancer. And the problem is that it's often at that time is the only time you will actually turn your face to me. He said, my desire is when my son turned his face to you and suffered for you, that you would get it before you suffered. But if it takes suffering, I will allow suffering. It's one of the reasons I believe suffering is present. Because he says it's the only thing that will break you. It's the only thing that will get your eyes off yourself and your self-sufficiency. And so I allow it because in the bigger scheme of things, I still want reconciliation with you. And if that's what it takes, then I'll allow it. And I allow it because I love you, not because I don't. And here's a story we saw last week of a guy... Uh, who went through that process, and I think it's worth watching, and then I'll just wrap it up. It's called Ed's Story. We need the visual, otherwise uh, it won't work. Do you want to stop it and put it on the desk from the desktop? There you go. Thank you. And if you could turn off the light, we'll just watch this. It's quite a story, isn't it? Where the heart of God is that we wouldn't have to get to ALS to hear his heart, which is I, I want to breathe life through you so that I can breathe, breathe life into others from what I've given you. I'd love you to know my love now rather than when you're desperate. You see, the problem is when you're desperate, you don't have the paradigm. So God comes to you as a stranger. I've walked with some of you. Some of you know what that's like. When you're in the midst of suffering and you don't know God as loving, you don't have anyone to support you because you still have to get to know him. So it's a much longer process. You need a worldview. It's God who holds everything together and I'm part of it. You need a personal relationship, a personal encounter where you know the heartbeat of God for you. And finally... Uh, we don't have time. I was going to talk about grace, God's grace to Levi, who, saw, who had a banquet and all his friends came and he acknowledged Jesus as his guest. 
We need to be unashamed about Jesus in, a ve- in very open, transparent ways among our friendships and wherever we happen to live. And finally, we need God's Spirit working in us. In, when the, in Acts 1, where you read about the disciples uh, looking to serve Jesus uh, and build the, the early church, they said, we have to replace Judas, who had died, and they said we need to get somebody. We, we need to have somebody with us who is a witness to the resurrection of Jesus and has been with us from the beginning. They saw it as very, very important that the person who joined them had a witness of Jesus, of His love, His presence, His resurrection. And so I just encourage each of us to pay attention to our personal encounter with God through Jesus. Pay attention to what happens. Face your fears. Face your insecurities. Face the things that you wrestle with. Question them. Find people who can help you with answers because that is what will bring you to life. We will see in this church people healed of things that you you would never dream where they would be healed from. I declare it in the name of Jesus. We will see the power of God in this place. I'll tell you what impacted me. But standing here talking to this group of 220 people, and I realized afterwards, because I really nearly um, actually sort of opened it up for healing. That's why Jesus did it. He did it not as a visual aid. He did it as because God's love is such that he says, where does it hurt? So he comes to anybody, and, and the first thing he says, it's like a long-lost son or daughter. How are you doing? Where is it hurting? Let me heal if you've got a problem, and then we can talk. He cares about you deeply. And part of his healing ministry is just because he loves people. We don't see everyone healed, but we're going to see a lot more. Because when people see, they know. And when they know, they change. One of these days, David, you're going to give the testimony of what you saw, right? He had an amazing testimony of a guy in a crash in Gold River that was dead. And David prayed and he, they were both living. It was only last year. One of these days, he'll come and tell us. Powerful stuff. And you go, you know, who's David? He's nobody. But God says, I'll use anyone who's willing to just be there. So I pray for the God the Father this morning to just create an excitement and a hunger and a thirst for more. Don't be satisfied for what you have of God yet. Don't satisfy yourself with where you are with Him. Don't draw the wrong conclusion that this is it. Because He says, you know, I hate dancing with people who look like crucifixes. Really quite unromantic. You want to try dancing with somebody like this? I'm dying for you, Jesus. And he said, well, I rose for you. Give me a hug. Oh, I don't do that. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. What do you want from him today to, 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 to bring life into your spirit? Relationship means you can ask him for anything. Relationship means you can be real. Relationship means that wherever you are is where he's at with you. He just says so... Where do we go from here? What do you want to do? That's relationship. Let's stand and talk to him, shall we? He wants you to know incredible joy. That you're not alone in this life. That he's come to bring you life. And you can just tell him in your own heart right now, 
where you would like to go with him. He's already telling you he's not angry with you. He's not disappointed in you. And he's, he really loves you more than you love anyone on earth. And he's looking at some of us and he's saying, you, you know, you can try and think this through for the rest of your life. It hasn't got you that far so far. You've got a very small brain. I'm a very big God. And you remember how you once told your children you'll tell them when you're older because they can't understand? That's what I have to tell you right now. I'm talking to your heart. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you just release a revelation of the love of the Father into hearts here today. And where there are hearts that are stone, where there are hearts that are closed, just pray that you will melt them with your love. Where you're a God who is distant or you've been put in a religious mold or a denominational mold, pray that you break those molds in the name of Jesus and receive life. If you're afraid of God, if you're afraid of what he will do, I speak death to that lie. Be much more afraid of what you will be like without him. He has come to bring you life and joy. And Father, I pray for the release of your healing spirit, over bodies that are sick, over hearts that are broken, over situations that are troubling or overwhelming. I speak the presence and the comfort of Jesus over you. Somebody here with bronchial tract infection in your left lung, and Jesus wants to heal you. Somebody's got an issue with their right ankle. I might get the uh, left or right mixed up, but speak healing into that ankle, to those bones. Strength to be brought into that ankle and healing into it in the name of Jesus. And we speak healing of every other joint. Anything that you feel needs healing, that you, you know, your knees or your elbows or whatever it is, you can ask Jesus to heal you right now. We were praying this last week and somebody talked about their back being healed. You see, healing comes with declaration of God's goodness. I don't have any power. But I do have the authority of the kingdom. So I speak healing over bodies in the name of Jesus. I speak healing over limbs in the name of Jesus. So if you've got something sore, speak against the pain in the name of Jesus. Somebody's got digestive problems that's related to your stomach lining and Jesus wants to heal it. I speak peace into your spirit because it's rooted in anxiety. I speak against anxiety and fear in the name of Jesus. Command it to loosen whoever it's troubling. Many of our sicknesses have psychosomatic roots. And God says, know my peace and my favor on you, and you will see healing in your bodies. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Receive the love of the Father for yourself. Receive, receive, receive. You can tune out right now, or you can actually engage. You can actually receive from him right now. His love, His presence, His faithfulness, His healing. He has your circumstances in His hand. Let faith rise up in you. Just receive. And for those of you who are finding it hard to engage right now, and I watch over here, I can see who can't engage, then give God permission to teach you how to engage. Because every time we come to this place, you tend to look away. And God says, look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't be afraid. Look at me. It's you I'm talking to. I love you and I want you to receive. So just bless that, Lord. 
And there are one or two who are having panic attacks and anxiety is a really big issue. And I just speak death to that in the name of Jesus and peace into your spirit. I speak to anybody who's got panic attacks. In the name of Jesus, I break that over you, that curse over you. I break the roots of that in your past and just speak freedom, that you would know peace that passes understanding. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you just give to us that sense of uh, faith in Jesus that will accompany us through this week, whatever our circumstances. Let faith arise. Thank you, Father. We remember Judy Henry. She's having an operation this morning. We just pray for her health. Pray, Jesus, that you continue to heal her and comfort her. Pray for others who are known to us that we just want to bring to you who are, are needing uh, healing or needing help or needing support. We just pray. We prayed at the back during the worship this morning for John Ellie, who's got cancer in his hand. And we prayed for God to heal that cancer. And we just pray for his family, Lord, that you just support them at this time. God the Father wants you to be salt and light in the world. He wants you to be the person who's going to go and lay hands on the sick or bring light and life into their lives. So I call up the warrior in you and I call up the one in you who can do exceedingly more than you can ask or imagine. And I call up in you that servant who would be willing to be used by God in this world, even in your brokenness. I call boldness out of you in the name of Jesus that you would stand for him and you would serve him and you would know his faith in you and your belief in him to be real. In the world, in the marketplace this week, in the name of Jesus. Yes. And if you want joy, you can have joy. Come on, you want a bit more of joy. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We'll close with a prayer. It's a song called Let There Be Joy. Yeah. Give the person next to you a hug. <laughs>